Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. This show, since 2006, has always been about getting a backstage pass to really what happens. Why do people create the results that they want in their lives? And one of the things that I get really frustrated at is when people think or the bill of goods that were sold on what does happen in transformation. It's just this quick fix. It's this overnight success. So since back in 2006, whoever I brought on thought leaders or whoever is that I've wanted to open up the curtain to so that you can see what really goes on. And today I have a longtime client who talks about her own personal development and her own way of living. And I think it's really important because there's not one way. There's not just this blanket system of how we all need to live. It's about how do you integrate it in your life? So I invite you to listen to her, share her story and her experience and her journey over seven years to get to a place of where she is today. I have a disclaimer here because Regina is going to be talking a lot about weight loss. This is not a weight loss podcast. This is about a woman who started on this journey and then through all of her work, how she's transformed herself. It wasn't, it's not just about weight loss. So if you're saying, oh, food's not my issue, this is one of her arenas that allowed her to do this deep level work. So whether it's weight loss or with my clients with money, or it can be with a change of job or wanting to do more meaningful work or creating connection and belonging and relationships. There are all these different arenas. They're all handled in the same way because it starts out with our relationship with ourselves. What do we believe about ourselves? How are we numbing from our lives? And that's the transformation. So when you listen to this interview I have with Regina, she'll talk a lot about food and about that process as she's going through it. But that's her arena as she discovers who she is, as she takes off her armor, as she learns to see the beauty in herself. And then you can listen at the end of what her current opinion is of herself seven years later. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so excited to circle back with you after this. Regina, hello and welcome to my show. Thank you, Corinne. So glad to be here. I'm so excited to be here and help you share your story with my community here at How She Really Does It, because you have done, you're a person who's done a lot of personal development. And I think so often we get inundated with these messages of it's a quick fix. And what are you, what do you have to say to that? Oh, I would have to say it's not a quick fix and it is something it's, you know, forever and eternal. It is. I mean, I kind of feel like I've been in an entire journey, my whole, my whole life and in particular, my whole young adult life into my adult life. And ever since working with you, of course, it's been another journey and I've learned that it's not ever over, but it does change. And I've become a lot more confident in myself in that journey. Ooh. 
So let's talk about that. So you've been a client of mine for a, a long time, for a number of years now. And why did you decide to first start working with me? Well, initially, I was very interested in what you did before with the weight loss groups. And I needed to lose weight and wanted to lose weight. And so I had known you on a different level. And I felt like I could trust you. So I signed up initially to do the weight loss circle. And I did, I believe I did two or three of those, uh, which then developed into more. And then as I've discovered, it was really not about the food. It was about what was happening in my head. And what was happening inside of you? (laughs) Well, I would say my biggest thing that I have been working through my whole life is that I'm just not worthy, that I'm not good enough, that I need to be better, that I'm constantly striving to be somebody better. And I never really just accepted myself for who I was and am. And that has been a very difficult journey for me. But with your help and with the help of a lot of other people in my life, I have come to grow to really know that I am worthy, that I am worth it. And uh, so that's, yeah, I think that's it. So when you first came to me uh, way back when, did you know it was going to be about the worthiness or did you, what did you think? Why did you think that (laughs) you weighed more than you wanted to weigh? Right. I didn't. So what always fascinated me about, so you're very good at marketing and I would always see all your stuff on Facebook and I was kind of intrigued with this whole idea of a weight loss circle and that I, and that I didn't have to show up and weigh myself in front of people. That was something that really attracted me because I was, I had so much shame around my weight. So uh, I forgot the question. Sorry. But um, so, yeah, I think I thought that it was going to be about food. And initially it was about food and how I interacted with food, how food had and had been part of my emotional makeup. So I kind of knew it was going to be something like that. But what I didn't know was that I was going to (laughs) begin a journey that was so far more uh, encompassing of food. Because most people often think, oh, I'm just not doing it right with the food. Let me just figure out the food and then it'll be fine. And the work that we did, even back in the circle days, was still that deeper work of what are you feeling? Right. Right. What are you feeling right now? And then there were tools of like listening to your body and tuning Mm -hmm. in because so often – when we don't like ourselves, when we don't have confidence, we use food to numb. And was that your experience prior to working with me? Absolutely. I was using food all the time to numb. And I realized as I started to work with you and listening to other people's stories in the circle is I just didn't have the tools to to go beyond that. And with your help with that, I kind of you know, initially was very successful in that weight loss. And so how much, do you remember how much weight you lost in that first go-round? I think that first go-round, I I lost 40 to 50 pounds. No, uh, more than that. (laughs) I think more like 80 pounds. I think it was like 85. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. 
I, I can't keep track because it's, yeah. I think you went from 285 to about 200, 205, something like that. Right, right. Yeah. And and then, so then you continue to choose to work with me and we, we kind of put the weight loss stuff aside and yes. we worked on other stuff and what was an uncovering, right? <laughs> once you took off this weight and once you removed the emotional overeating that was going on, what did you find out that was underneath that was missing? I, I still struggled with being good enough and the worthiness. And I found myself in situations where uh, I was not comfortable. I was uh, not my genuine self, my not, not my authentic self. So I realized that I had a lot of other issues to work with and deal with. And ironically, things came upon my way that caused me to, to do deeper thinking and feeling. And it didn't surround, it wasn't about food anymore. It was really about this, these other struggles in my life. And do you mind sharing what they were? In the past or in the last year or so? And- what you can share different stories because I mean, so here's the thing, you guys, is that I've worked with Regina now for I want to say seven years. Is that right? Uh-huh. I yeah. think so. I think yeah. it's 2011, and and she's not, you know, I don't make her, you know, commit to me for all these years, and I didn't know I'd get this honor to work with her all these years. But what would happen is that first year was about the weight loss, and she took off the weight and became free of food of this of this like freedom from emotional overeating, right? And then it it uncovered other stuff. And so we worked on boundaries. And then, you know, this whole sense of worthiness came about. And so there's been there's a lot of stories that she has to now when people say, well, what do you do to eat? And she's like, it's not just about the food. Right. Cause they, they're right. trying to, they're trying to copy your food eating. And you're like, it's such deeper work that I've done that gives you so much freedom now when it comes to food. Right. I, I mean, I had relationships that were a struggle for me. I had um, things to work through in my marriage. I had a situation with our son who became very ill. And all these situations, I believe, were an impetus for me to go to the next step. And I remember thinking, well, aren't I done? Aren't I finished with this? <laughs> Like, what's the, what's the deal? Like, I thought I dealt with this already. And I remember <clears throat> when we would finish a cycle or a, a year plan, you would say, okay, what do you want to do? And I remember distinctly saying, you can't break up with me. Like, I'm not going to break up with you because there's just way more stuff I need to deal with. So I, I think, you know, I've had some stuff happen to me in the my whole life, but in the last seven years that have been rather challenging and now I know it's all part of my journey to bring me to where I am today. How did you feel when I would say, well, whether it was this person or this situation, is your teacher? I used to hate when you said that. <laughs> and I still really am not fond of it. But I do believe that all these issues have really been my teacher. And I'm a teacher. So I get that. Um, I have the opportunity to be with students and teachers all the time. And I know it's all about practice. And I've been saying that in my career for 35 years, 
but now I can really truly say it about myself that I am, I am a practice. It's practice, practice, practice. And I think taking on a yoga practice has helped that with that. Um, it's definitely been a mind shift in how I believe I approach things. I'm a lot more calm. I meditate. I mean, I think I've just learned all these tools uh, to get me some really difficult times so I wouldn't have to go to food. And that was your coping mechanism before, wasn't it? Absolutely. And there, I'm going to be honest, there are times where I think, really, I would love some ice cream. Mm-hmm. But now it's different. I can have a small amount of ice cream and be done. That's it. No more. And that is something very, that has evolved in the last seven years working with you. Like I can stop. I don't eat the whole bag of chips. I don't even eat chips anymore. But but for a long time I ate chips and still lost weight. So it just, I think for me it was just about honoring myself where I was at the time. I'm very different than I was even a year ago. And that feels good. And so we did the weight loss circle and then we wound up doing at some point the Daring Way program. And yes, we, yes, and, we did. <laughs> you and I both love Brene and she really resonates with us in her research. Mm-hmm. And with your academic background and mine as well, you know, we're really drawn to her and what she says is so real. And that was all about shame and vulnerability. And Mm so here was something that you really wanted to do. And did you have resistance? Oh, of course I did. (laughs) Um, And I remember having sessions with you thinking, I hate this. This sucks. This is awful. Um, And, but what I realized, and I still, I mean, there are times you and I talk and I would think, I think, when am I going to ever figure this out? But her work helped me to name it. So I could feel the feelings, uh, get in touch with the shame, and now I know and I can name it. And that is very different than even um, when I started with you. Like I didn't know what shame was, and I didn't know what it felt like in my body, and now I know. I know exactly what it feels like. I recognize it. I name it. And then, and now I don't eat. And and now do you know that you can feel shame and it doesn't mean it's the end of the world? Yes. So, yes. Often, so often with my clients, you know, who are, um, especially in the beginning stages, that where what they're so afraid of, and I'm constantly reminding them, what they're so afraid of is this feeling of shame. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to whether numb it, you know, go gladiator on themselves or on other people or approval whore themselves so that they can disconnect with that feeling of shame. And I just say, well, if you could just feel it, you can move through it mm-hmm. instead of trying to disconnect, which it only grows because, you know, one of the things I used to do is I used to numb with food as well. And that only created more shame later on. I didn't know what it was when right. I was eating that three, those three bowls of ice cream at 1030 at night, thinking there's something wrong with me. I have no discipline. I don't have self-control because I'm eating this, but I don't know where it's going because how am I my third bowl? I don't remember the first two bowls of eating it because I was so putting my head down in the sand, right? Mm-hmm. But now I just know, oh, this is shame. And then I don't need to go and grab the food. I can start to process what is going on. What are the stories that I'm telling myself? Right. Well, and I think too, my my attitude about 
food and dieting has really shifted. I mean, I can't tell you how many people ask me, you know, how have you lost this weight and kept it off? And I keep telling them it's not about the food. It's about working with someone and doing the hard work. It's not about being good. Like I used to tell myself, if I'm just good for two weeks, I'll honor myself with a glass of wine or I'll honor myself with a bowl of ice cream or some candy. And that was messing me up. Now, for some people that works, but that didn't work for me because I never really stuck to it. It was always like, you know, I would be good and I'm doing the air quotes, good for you know, a a set amount of time. And then I would go off the wagon and then I would gain weight or stagnate or whatever. And now I have learned it's not about being good. It's about honoring my body and what feels good. I eat completely different now than I did a year ago, completely. And is it because you're being restrictive? Oh my gosh, not at all. But I did make some really big decisions about my own health. So I have um, osteoarthritis severely. Uh, I don't even know if that's grammatically correct, but it's severe. And I have to have a double knee replacement. And going to a surgeon two years ago, he wouldn't do it. I wasn't at the right weight. And my BMI wasn't what he wanted to be. And he was actually kind of rude about it. But I took on the challenge and it took me a while though to jumpstart again. I needed to work through some other stuff. Now I know that, but at the time I was kind of mad at myself for not getting on it. And then it beca- I remember clearly I, I was in a training. I do teacher training. So I'm on my feet all day long. And at the end of that week, I could barely walk. And I thought, I need to do something different. This is not working. And then I talked to you about it and that's when you and I d- did the next round, which I can't even remember what you call, I don't know, the weight loss, another weight loss kind of session, that year session with you. And I decided initially to change my diet for inflammation, and which led me down this re- road of no sugar. And then I started with no sugar. And then I remember I gave up wheat and I committed to that for a month. And then I started to feel really good. And I was starting to lose a little weight. And then I committed to, then I, I was having all these tummy issues. And then I decided to maybe take out rice. So then I was, so I didn't go cold turkey. I just did it gradually because I was listening to my body and how I felt. And the big thing for me is I gave up alcohol, which I'm not a big drinker, but I was socializing on the weekends and having glasses of wine. All of my friends you know, partake in wine. And I really wanted to do that. So that was a big shift too. I had to uh, do a lot of work around the alcohol. But once I did, then I moved into now I'm completely no sugar, no grains. So what happened was we did Weight Loss Circle, which is a coaching group from years ago that I don't currently have offered. And then we wound up doing the Daring Way and you did Rising Strong and really getting in your bones, the work about shame and about your emotions, even at a deeper level and being able to label them more and getting more crystal clear about that. And then around that time, what you were talking about is when you decided to do my Stop Overeating program, which is a one-on-one program, and you really got committed. So while you had you know, lost 85 pounds, you stayed pretty much, I think, within that range. I I did. I I think I gained like five or 10 pounds within there. But yeah, Yeah. but I wasn't losing anymore. And I needed to lose more to have my surgery. 
Mm-hmm. And, the, and the focus, you know, had been around relationships and boundaries. And, you know, you also had this big fear, if I may share, of if you had boundaries with people that you care about, whether they're family or friends, people that you really care about who are on your inner circle, that they would leave you. Absolutely. And so a lot of our work was around that. Yeah. And, you know, I have been in and out of therapy my whole adult life. But this was different because this is not, this gave me the tools. Like I had worked through some stuff about my dad and all that kind of stuff. But now I feel like working with you gave me not only the tools, but also the inner workings of figuring out what works for me in my life. Yeah. And then so you decided to do that. You're now in one of my advanced programs that I don't offer to anybody unless they've been a client who's done a lot of this work, right? Because that what you're doing now is high level stuff. But in 2017, I guess it was 2016, because you want yep. to have this surgery. Mm-hmm. And there, there was, you can tell me where I'm wrong, but I think there was some shaming that was happening from that surgeon. Yes. About your weight. And Mm -hmm. so you came back and you said, I really want to lose this weight. And there may be even been tears if I can remember. Um, (laughs) there's, there's, and with my clients, there often are tears at some point, right? So it's, it's not something new, but, and so you recommitted and we wound up doing the stop overeating program. Not that you were overeating, but really getting Mm -hmm. even more awareness of what foods work for you and in testing that out. And I remember the whole alcohol thing. Because you would come back to me and say, and and so here's just a little clarification is I never tell my clients what to eat or what not to eat. Tell me where I'm wrong, Regina. No, you do not. No, you do not. <laughs> and, and, and because I think everybody's different and I have clients that do different things. And one of the things that we're all pretty consistent about is we're the boss of ourselves. We don't want somebody to tell us what to do. So, and we also learn from trial and error, right? From t- doing something and then when you can really feel in your body of, Ooh, how does that feel? Does that, is that how I want to feel? And so even with sugar at first, it was kind of like, there's all this stuff out there about, you know, inflammation and sugar. Will this really make a difference? And that was, I think your first step was testing it out, like committing to it for a few weeks and saying, okay, does, do I feel better? Well, and I remember it was the holidays. I started in November (laughs) And I made this commitment to not eat any sugar for, I don't know, two months or whatever we decide. I can't remember. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not sure if I can do this. And I do think you and I decided that I would do maybe do some sugar like on Christmas or I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And But what I was finding is immediately I was feeling better. Like my joints were not hurting so much. And I thought, hmm, there might be something to this sugar thing. And I really never thought I was addicted to sugar. But what I realized is I was eating foods that had sugar in them or turned it to sugar, like alcohol, mm-hmm. bread, um, more carbohydrates. I was higher on the carbohydrates, um, like potatoes, that kind of stuff, rather than just eating a candy bar. Like I wasn't eating candy or dessert every day, but I was definitely eating, like I wasn't watching labels, which I, you know, pretty good about that now. I mean, I have like a range in my head where I want to stay in my sugar intake per day. So, but, but that was all part of the, (laughs) that was all part of just the shame and getting in touch with, I was, I was really worth doing this. And I think that's where I had to come 
is I am worth this. And then I had a really difficult situation. Our son got really sick and needed our attention 100%. And I made a decision early on when our son came, um, got sick that I needed to be my 100% for him. And so that's when I really made the decision about alcohol and sugar because I felt like I needed to be my best mom, even though he's a young adult, I needed, he needed me. So I felt like I did it for myself to be the best for him. Well, it's interesting, the timing of it, because when Mm -hmm. you made this decision to, to lose weight, Right. And then the obstacle that came about like, to, to continue to lose more weight because of the, what the surgeon had said. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's get back to making this the focus because for some years now, there were other things that you were focusing on in your own personal development. Sure. So you make this commitment. And this is what happens to so many people. They're like, okay, I'm going to set this goal. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get this job. And then boom, something happens in our lives where we go, oh, it's an obstacle. I can't take care of myself and my goal because I've got to go take care of this person, right? My son is ill. I, I in, in the past, right, the, the Regina pre-2011, what would she have done? Oh, I would have never taken care of myself. I would have put it on hold. I would have said, okay, after he is well, then I will lose the weight. I will go on this diet. I will do this exercise, whatever. But what I came to realize after working with you for so long and really – honoring myself and loving myself was that I need to do this now. Like there's no time. My, my knees were so bad. I could, I'm, I'm not, I was not living the life I wanted to live. And I want to give that back to my family. I want to give that back to my business partners. I want to, I want to be the best Regina possible. And I am, have not been because I'm so limited physically now. So it was kind of ironic I, Paul, oh yeah, Paul, I'll say his name, Paul. Paul was really ill and I kept losing weight, which also just gave me more confidence that I can really do this. You would, I can really do this. <laughs> well, you would come to session and you'd be like, oh my gosh, Corinne, this has been so hard with what we're going through with our son right now. And I haven't turned to food, mm-hmm. right? Like you could feel all those emotions. And because we'd done that deep work about shame and vulnerability and fear and sadness and grief and everything, you could feel all of that and know, okay, I'm feeling this feeling Mm -hmm. and I can move through it. Right. And I can be really scared about the outcome of my son and I can feel it and I can be a part of this situation and move through it and take care of me and take care of him and be a partner with my husband. Right. Yes. Which is so different than most of the time because we think, you know, especially if you think self-care is a selfish, right? Then we tend not to take care of ourselves and our relationships are blowing up and we become a martyr because we're trying to help somebody else. Right. And what you told me the other day was you're like, I amped up. I amped up my self-care mm-hmm. in order to help him. Say yep. more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I mean, I started doing things like... So, you know, had all these physical limitations, which also then, of course, had some emotional limitations and then um, trying to care for my son and and taking care of my marriage, too. You know, I have another child. She's older, but, you know, being available for her emotionally, being available for my husband. Um, 
I just knew, I don't know, there was something inside of me. I mean, I think I'm incredibly intuitive. And inside of me, I knew I have to really do this. And so that meant like, you know, like getting a monthly massage. I have never in my life done a massage, but I just knew I have to take care of myself physically. I I do yoga now. I'm pretty limited now, but at the time I was better. I was committing to showing up to yoga even when I felt really awful. I used to just go to yoga and cry for an hour and a half. I'd be so sad, but I knew it was way better than eating and I needed a place to feel safe. So I just amped it up. I just did more yoga. I did more massage. I worked with you. I, I, you know, I started to listen to podcasts more regularly. And that was something I felt like after the election, I couldn't listen anymore to, I don't know. I don't want to make a political statement here, but I couldn't listen much to the news anymore. And I have long drives. So I would listen to podcasts which would be so inspirational. I would drive to work crying the whole way and then I'd cry all the way home and then I'd have to sit in my driveway and basically say, buck it up, Regina, because you got to go in there and you got to be 100% for this kid because he needs you. And I just had that. I just, there was something that just, the strength, I guess, to get through. And so now I've lost the weight and I am moving into a double knee replacement. And so, so again, you went from 285 to about 200 Mm -hmm. and then, and that was back 2011, 12, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And Mm -hmm. then, and then now that we've recircled back and you started this weight loss journey again, Mm -hmm. back in what end of 2016, where are you today? Mm. Well, currently I weigh about 150 give or take a few pounds. (laughs) And, um, so I started, yeah, I think I started, you're pretty consistent 150. Yeah, I am. And I, what I found with my body after weighing myself every friggin' day, sorry, every day (laughs) for, I don't know, a year and a half now is that I, I stagnate and then I lose. And that has been really helpful for me because I was always resistant to weigh myself every day because mm-hmm. I had so much shame around the number. But what I found is that I, I do that now. I, I stay at a number and then, and then I, um, and then I lose and then I stay at a number and then I lose. So it's been pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And I typically don't go up like Mm -mm. maybe once in a while, I'll, I'll gain a pound. Now I'm, thank goodness through menopause. I think that's different too for me is that I don't have that I'm dealing with. And for, for some wonderful, thankful thing, I have breathed, I breathed through menopause. I did not so much breathe through perimenopause, but I did not have any issues in menopause. I didn't get hot flashes. You know, once in a while I'll have a a a night sweat, but that's it. So I feel very fortunate Partly, I think it's been the hot yoga that's helped, but um, I kind of kind of breezed through the menopause thing. Thank God. I had other stuff that I was dealing with physically. So, but so, and then my doctor decided, even though BMI wise, I'm probably not what he says is not exact, but because I have no other health issues, I'm not diabetic, I don't have high cholesterol, that he's willing. I don't have any other autoimmune issue. I don't have COPD. Nothing. He's willing to do my surgery. 
Well, and he, you also blew his mind because of how much weight you had lost. Well, he couldn't believe it. It was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, okay, so you're not moving much. I'm like, no. He look, Well, first of all, my knees are so bad that every time I go into it, because I in the middle of all that, I also had to change healthcare providers. So in the middle of all this, I had mi- lots of x-rays and, and I had an MRI and they were like, okay, these are, every time I go into somebody, they say, these are the worst knees we've seen. Like you have 90 year old knees and I'm not even 60 yet. So I, I got some bad knees and, um, he would say, how are you walking? And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, where's your walker? I'm like, I don't have one. So he just couldn't believe I lost all that weight without moving very much. But what I tried to tell him <laughs> is that it really isn't about the exercise. It's about the food. Mm-hmm. And um, I do exercise to make myself feel better. And I love when I can do a nice yoga class and get some, you know, my everybody, everything moving and sweating. But for me, and I, I it's just not has been about exercise. It's really about what I'm ingesting mm-hmm. and how much I'm ingesting. And, you know, I've moved now into intermittent fasting. I would have never thought in a million years I could do this, but I don't eat very much. And then when I do, I eat like in a six hour period, but that's been a gradual. That was not how we started, but I just eventually found that I wasn't hungry and now I don't eat when I'm not hungry. Well, and, and those are the tools that in the very beginning we were working mm-hmm. on, right? Like listening yes. to your hunger scale, feeling, feeling, yes. what is it? what is real hunger? Right. And what's happened now is there's not the stories of, oh my gosh, if I don't eat, I'm going to pass out, right? There's not that right. drama anymore in your head and you're able to listen to your body. right? And so I think that part's really important for the listeners. And I want to circle back to something you said earlier, because uh, you had mentioned the word diet. So is what you're doing a diet? No, no. Okay. I just no. wanted to clarify that. Just No, no, it, no, 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 no. Did I say that? Well, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, no, because you were saying, well, okay, do I need to start something? And the word diet came out. And then you it's always been a lifestyle, what works for your body. And what you've told me is this is how you plan to eat indefinitely. Well, it yeah, works. Uh, totally. I mean, I really like that new term everybody's using, way of eating, the whoa, you know, uh-huh. what is your way of eating? And this is my preferred way of eating. Never to say... So I feel very fortunate that I can eat a little something and not go off the track. So mm-hmm. like I plan, like I remember in the summer I went to a wedding mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to go to this wedding. So I had planned that I was going to have some alcohol and I I was going to plan to have dessert and I did. And I felt like, you know what, the next day I was all, it felt awful <laughs> in the moment. It was really fun and really fun. And because I'm in so much pain, you know, people just think alcohol helps with the pain. But in my case, most alcohols turn into sugar. So for me, it makes it work. Like initially it's good, mm-hmm. like for the first two hours. And then later it's like, oh no, this really hurts. So so I plan, like I plan to have on Christmas, I ate sugar. I did fine, but I ate sugar. Then on, think, I don't think, and then on uh, Valentine's Day, I had planned and I ate a cookie. Like, you know, and once in a while, I have a little bit of that 85% chocolate. I'm fine. I have a square. I'm like, whatever, I'm fine. But I just, I just plan now. I, I, I know that life is going to bring me, like if I go to Italy, I'm going to eat gelato and I'm going to go to France and I might have a croissant, but I'm not going there yet. So right now, this is how I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. 
and then we'll see. And, and then we'll see. <laughs> so one of the things that we worked on was deciding ahead of time. So knowing that you yes. had those series of events. So last spring, we looked at that and going, okay, mm-hmm. well, you have these series of events. You know, what do you want to plan for? And why is it so important to decide ahead of time <laughs> than well, to make the yeah. decision in the moment? Well, I, well, I just, I felt like, well, first of all, I couldn't have done it without your help. So you, that's where I think the listeners need to know is that this didn't come, this came with a lot of help from you guiding me and coaching me and asking the right questions because I couldn't done that on my own. Uh, I think too, planning ahead um, gave me more power actually. I felt more powerful that I'm going to do this and I'm going to plan. And sometimes what happened is I would plan to do something and got get there and I'm like, that food is not worth that, <laughs> which was like, who are you? Like, I would say like, who is this person living inside my body now? Like, I would have never thought I could go to an event and not have a drink because everybody else is drinking, which for me is always about belonging and fitting in and all that. And you and I worked a lot on that. Really what I wanted was to belong mm-hmm. and you know, I kept thinking I wanted to fit in and you really challenged me to look at that belonging. And then after reading Brene's last book, mm-hmm. which blew my mind and I listened to it, which was really awesome. I felt like she was in my car talking to me. I really came to that feeling of, I belong to me. I belong to myself. And then of course I have my yoga tribe. I belong to, I belong to my work fam friends who are really my family. The ladies I work with are amazing. And then I have my family, family, my mother, her husband, my sister, my nieces, my nephews. And then I have my little intimate family of my husband and my two kids. Mm -hmm. So I belong to all of them, but I really belong to me first. And to be at that place now, (laughs) how's that feel? Incredible. Mm -hmm. And in particular, as I move into a very challenging time again. So I have to tell you, I've had a lot of anxiety about moving into this double knee replacement, mostly because it's the unknown. But I also know I'm really equipped with a lot of tools that I wasn't even equipped with a year ago. And I'm going to count on that. I'm counting on my food. I'm counting on my gratitude journal. I'm counting on the things that I've learned to get me through the next few months because it's going to be rough. I know that. But now I know I, I I feel like I can do almost anything after experiencing the last few years and getting this weight off and helping our son adjust and to, you know, getting from his illness and that all that has just given me a lot of confidence that I can go into next week feeling like, okay, I've got this. Well, and to circle back to your son, so you amped up your self-care so that you could be more to him. Yes. And so also that you can walk through this with your husband, mm-hmm. right? And all of your emotions and your family. And now your son is doing really well, isn't he? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's He's doing so well. And, you know, we were thank goodness, have really good health care. So, I mean, we have excellent health care and my husband and I are highly educated. So we could not only give him the medical attention he needed, but also provide the nest and safety for him at home to live, to live. And so that was all really 
important in his recovery and in our family life. Um, so yeah, he's doing wonderfully. Yeah. And, and then now going into the surgery, I mean, one of the things that we worked on even years ago, probably right when we were starting Daring Way was like permissions, right? What permissions you need to give yourself, which is a form of compassion. And because so often we're dictators to ourselves and we beat ourselves up and say, don't do this. Don't ask for this. You're too wanty. You're too needy. <laughs> and so you've really given yourself permission to ask for what you want in this next chapter of your life. Yes. Yes, which has been incredibly difficult for me. So I'm very capable, independent. My mom has raised me to be a very independent woman. I've been working since I was 15 years old. I've paid for all my own everything. I put myself through college. And so this is hard. First of all, moving into a four-month period of no income, and then also asking for help, like my cousin who I adore, she insisted on doing a meal train. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll do a meal train. Then I have to be driven to physical therapy and my husband is going to take some time off, but I, he can't drive me to all the appointments. So I had to ask for help with that. Even this week, I had to ask not for help, but for, um, I needed company and I had to reach out and ask for that, which was very difficult. And <laughs> I told you the other day that mm -hmm. it's now you're in my head when I'm uh, faced with a dilemma and being, uh, again, air quotes of disappointed that I have tools now to help me move through that. And I keep telling myself, what do you really want? And yes, you deserve it. And so now I feel like I can ask for help because I deserve it and I'm worthy of it. And that's a big shift for me. Uh, that's not been um, common <laughs> for me. Yeah. And, and again, I think what I want to stress to the listeners out there is that Regina has done her work, right? And it's so easy to think, oh, okay, I've done one year, I've done my work, and now I'm set and I don't have those voices in the back of my head. But what happens is that as, as you keep evolving to your next level, as you face another challenge, because whether you're pursuing them, or like in Regina's case, like with her son's illness, that wasn't something she pursued, it's something that occurred in their family. And things happen, right? Bad things happen to all of us. How do you show up? And, and, and those old shame gremlin voices are going to show up and try to take you down. And what she's been able to do is say, okay, I'm, how am I going to move through this? So in that situation with your son, you were able to move through it. In this situation, as you are being the creator, right? The deliberate creator of this next phase of going through these surgeries, of re getting really clear of asking for what you want all of a sudden those voices come back up, right? Because mm -hmm. not everybody does what you want them to do, do they? No. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> no. I used, well, to think, yeah. I used to think, oh man, once you get to the promised land, you never have problems again. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm never going to be disappointed by any of my friends or family, ever. No, disappointment is is a very difficult thing for me to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it's my teacher. It really is. I mean, I really think that that to me, you know, if not if asking for what I need, putting it out there and then having no expectations. Mm -hmm. And I do, I do have expectations that I'm still working through. Mm -hmm. And then when you're able to put out what you want, right, what you need out there and you ask for it and 
maybe that person can't give it to you. Then what do you do? Well, I now, so if a person doesn't show up the way I want them to show up anymore, is that what you Mm -hmm. mean? I do a lot of self-talk. I have to tell you, I do a lot of self-talk. This, I tell myself a lot of, it's not you. It's not you. It's where they are in their life. It's not about you. And, and typically what I do, I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, is I typically go to my phone and go through my texts and then I text another friend or I call a friend or I make a card or I send a card uh, just to kind of shift more like a, it's, and sometimes I do a gratitude journal mm-hmm. where I write down things I'm really happy or grateful for. So I, yeah, but nothing involves food anymore, which is awesome. <laughs> so, so what you're doing then, instead of living in the, you know, in the swampland of shame, right? What you're doing is even like looking for texts of looking for evidence of where other people do love you or other people are there for you, or you being the love that you want and giving it out there, what you're doing is you're changing your feeling state Mm -hmm. and, and even writing a card. And that's something that's something that I talk about so often in the show. And I talk about with my clients is that we can do that. And that's how we become a deliberate creator. It doesn't mean we don't ignore what happened and and you really process of this is how I'm feeling. And these are the stories I'm telling myself. And here's also my truth as well, right? It doesn't, if they say no, or if I don't even get a response from them, it's not because I'm not worthy. Right. Which that used to be your go-to. Right. And I and and it still comes up. It doesn't mean that this doesn't mean I'm not dealing with this still. Mm-hmm. It still comes up. I just feel like I'm better equipped to move through it um and then not eat because of it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Before we go, I want to talk about when because all of us are faced with powerful people in our lives, right? With the energy they bring. And one of those people for me is my husband. He has extremely powerful energy. And when he's dark, he can be really dark. And when he's, you know, not dark, he can be, you know, totally on fire. And it's very uh, magnetic either way. And so I'm always, I'm, a lot of times I'm coaching clients about how to not pick up other people's energy. And so you've done a phenomenal job of that. And I wanted <laughs> to see if you'd be willing to share your story. <laughs> Specifically what? With Tell me, food. ask me it. Oh, with, oh, with okay. food and, you know. Okay. So full disclosure. Um, so I, I have been married for 30 years. It'll be 30 years this month. And I married someone who is this really tall, thin person who has a great metabolism, but has some stuff with food. And I started to eat this way. You and I, I made some decisions about changing the way I eat. And he was getting very nervous. He was seeing me using like heavy whipping cream in my coffee. So I went from half and half to having whipping cream. And then I was starting to eat bacon, which I don't think I ever made bacon till a year ago. Like I think I made bacon five times in my whole marriage. So then I was starting to eat bacon. (laughs) and then, um, and then, you know, I wasn't eating much fruit. So I was moving from, you know, I, I just, a low fat, a very high fat 
I was moving from a low fat diet to more of a higher fat diet. And Mm -hmm. I currently still eat dairy. So some people don't eat dairy, but I do eat dairy. So, and, and he, you know, your husband, I mean, he loves you dearly and has been always very supportive and supportive of the work that we have done together. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I, I would love to have had a, you know, brain dump from him about, <laughs> about this whole thing, because health has always been a very high priority for him. Absolutely. So his father died of a massive heart attack when my husband was 13 and my husband's father was 50. So granted, he has a lot of um, fear around his health and he's also in the health care profession. So he just kept watching me and there was some angst, I have to say, like, and then because my knees were so bad, he was doing the grocery shopping. So I'd write the list <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I want heavy whipping cream. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I want heavy. Or the big one was sour cream because I moved from light mm. sour cream to heavy to regular because of the sugar content. So he and I had some issues and it was very hard for him. And then he asked me to do, I was going to have a physical anyway. So I went to my doctor and I had a full physical and she did all my blood work. At the time, my husband was also pre-diabetic, which looking <laughs> at him, you would think I was the pre-diabetic person and he was not. So at the time I had all my blood work, work and I'll never forget this. I had it done. And then we were going to LA for, um, my best friend died um, very suddenly, and my other best friend was graduating with her doctorate. So we were going away, and in the car, I got the email from my doctor with my lab results. So I pull them up, and I'm like, OMG, my cholesterol is way lower than his. I am not pre-diabetic. All of my, And then that kind of convinced him. Then that started him thinking about his own diet and he's really thinking this whole inflammation thing all over again. And and if you, you know, you can Google it and find out that a lot of people now, the science is shifting a little bit towards inflammation and cholesterol and what really causes heart issues. So, but it has been a journey for mm-hmm. us as a couple. Well, it has. And so, you know, as you go into the surgery phase and being brave and asking friends and, you know, people (laughs) of what you want, right? And even with the work that we've done around you asking for particular food, right? Saying like owning, this is how I eat. And these are the foods that we, you know, we'd prefer that you would make for us. Right. And, um, and then not in a demanding way, very compassionate, but we have always said compassionate people have boundaries. Mm -hmm. But I think like it started back with, with him of really saying, no, it's the heavy whipping cream. And yes, I want the bacon. Well, here's, but, but here's the thing. I was losing weight. And I think (laughs) that's the thing. Like he was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Like she's eating this way. But what he did start to notice too is I just I just don't eat often. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you don't ever eat. I said, yes, I do. But I don't eat A as much and B, I don't eat as often because I'm never hungry because of the fat content. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I don't eat bacon every day, but I eat bacon way more than I've ever eaten bacon my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we eat salmon, we eat turkey, we eat, you know, we eat all the I, what you would say, non-fatty foods, but then I do eat. Um, and now I have go-to things when I go out to dinner. I know exactly what I'm going to order. I'm very good about 
checking menus before I go so that I can kind of figure out what I'd like to. For me, it's like a puzzle, to be honest with you. I like kind of figuring out. Like I went out to a conference this last summer and my partners were like, well, what about your food? I'm like, don't worry, I'll figure it out. And I do, I figure it out. You know, and sometimes I just eat one thing because that's all I eat. But that's okay. I'm okay with that. There's no drama anymore. With no, right. it's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a fuel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoy food. Let me tell you, I love it. But uh, it's just I have a different feel about it. It's not desperate, right? Like right. it's just not. Yes. I just remember food being so desperate and <laughs> needing to yeah. have that party in my mouth, and yeah. it was also a guaranteed way of happiness. Because it would fulfill me and it would give me all the promises that were broken promises that I either had with myself or other people would have with me. And so food was my best friend. And, and now it's like, okay, I enjoy it. There's something I get to eat with it, you know, or I, something I do. But sometimes I go, there's, there's, it's just food. Like there doesn't have to be this big event, right? Like, or it's a hassle. I mean, and it's not that you and I are starving ourselves, but no, there's stuff that we want to do that right. is, bring so much more connection in our life than what we are doing with food. So that, for instance, I haven't eaten today all day. Um, So I had dinner about six o'clock last night. I had three pieces of bacon and two eggs. That was it. And I was done. And then I went to bed and I got up and did my stuff this morning. And I've had two coffees with some, you know, heavy whipping cream. That's it. I haven't eaten yet. And I'm barely starting to get hungry. To me, it was really about honoring where I am. The other thing is food's so social. Mm -hmm. So people are around, you know, like, well, let's go out. So that to me has been some of the shift is like when we go out, sometimes I just order a small salad or my big thing now is I usually order a sandwich with no bun because it's more protein. And then I order a side salad. And then sometimes I bring it home. I don't eat it all because I want to be social with my friends. Like I don't want to not eat. But I've figured some stuff out. Like, it's okay. I can, I don't know. I'm just not wrapped up in that drama anymore. Well, and I remember with the drinking, because again, you'd come to <laughs> session and you would say, oh my gosh, I drink. And again, we're talking like a half a glass of wine. Wine. Or, yeah, you know. I'm not a big drinker. My friends who hear this are going to go, she did not drink. She does not drink. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it was drinking. Yeah. And, and you would just wouldn't feel good. And so, and it's whenever a client keeps saying like the same thing over and over and they may not actually hear it, I just kind of put it back to them. And, and so we talked about, well, why not just try not having alcohol? Right. Again, it's not about pleasing me because that's not what my clients do, but it's like, you've been saying you don't feel good. What about if you tr- try not to, ha- if you, if you commit to not having it? And yes. see how that works. And at first, you really struggled with that commitment. I was not happy with oh, you. Oh, you threw a tantrum. I did. Right? I, I did not use the F word. I think I did. You might have. <laughs> yes. I might have. Um, but, but when I, now I know after working with you for so long, is that that resistance is, you know, what, where I need to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it's the resistance. It's like, okay, why am I resisting this? Let's just, what, the other thing I've really learned too from you too is like, I'm in charge of myself. So we could try this for a month. Like the dairy, like Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, some people like, well, if you want to lose more weight, you should give up dairy. Well, first of all, there's no should in my whole vocabulary anymore. (laughs) And that went out like seven years ago. That whole should is the S word. I think it's awful, terrible, terrible word. Because for me, it puts me in a space that is like the good little girl. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I'm in charge of myself. I am the boss of me. So I, you know, I know I can 
Like I have this friend who's this amazing baker and she probably is going to bake something during my recovery. I'm going to have a cookie because she is an incredible baker. But I'm going to spend my energy on something like that versus a store-bought donut or something. Mm-hmm. So, But it's that all that idea of just owning it and and knowing I'm not perfect that some you know I'm not perfect this is and you, you know I'm not and you don't have to be and the other thing is that and I want to go back to the alcohol thing because I think there's such a great lesson in there is you had done a tremendous amount of work right and we'd done the Brene Brown stuff and you understood fitting in and belonging and I remember you were had so much resistance that and I said, well, do you? Because you're like, no, but everybody else drinks, and and these were these are like doctors that you hang out with, right? People in the healthcare profession. So it wasn't like, you know, these are people who do care about their health, but they they like to drink socially and have wine and so on and so forth. And again, there's that fear of yours, that old fear that was starting to come back up of people will leave me, right? Right. And, and you were, and I said, well, do you want to fit in or belong? And you said, I want to fit in. You're just like flat out. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What happened to all that Brene Brown stuff we've been learning about? <laughs> well, I was honest. No, you're told. I mean, but that's why the work has been able to be so good for you, right? Because you were honest and and you kind of reluctantly were like, okay, fine, I'll try it. I'll commit to not drinking. And then you got important data for yourself, which was that I just feel better when I don't. Yeah. And then when you want to drink, you can decide ahead of time, yeah. like you did with the weddings. Yes. And I also found whiskey is way better for me. <laughs> so I drink a little whiskey or a little vodka and, you know, I'm okay. A little yeah. tiny bit, just a little tad. And now that I don't drink well, a little bit, man, holy moly, I can't drink anymore because, you know, it goes right to my head. I'm a, I was already a lightweight. Now I'm a light, light, lightweight. So yeah, it's... It's evolving. It's changing. It's every day, you know, um, you know, but I really like this way of eating. I really do. So I'm going to stick to it for a while. It may, I, I, it may change again. I don't know. I just know for now, this is, this fits with me and my lifestyle. I can travel. Um, cause I do a fair amount of travel for work. I've been able to make it work. I bring my lunch most times, which is so much so great, so liberating. I, when I was working a lot, I did a lot of meal prep on the weekends. My husband has been complete to 180, completely embraced this. He's eating more fat now too. Yay. You know, like sometimes I eat a half an avocado for lunch or an avocado and a piece of chicken, but done. You know, it's like, there's no, I have to have this major meal. So, so now that it's 2018 and some point, you know, it's It'll be 2024 and this will be in the archives and somebody will come across it. So seven years later, beyond the weight loss, who is Regina today? Mm. What is her, what is her opinion of herself? That she just thinks she's a badass. excuse my expression, but I, I just want, I just want to feel like I am the best version of me and that I really believe in myself, that I am someone who's committed to my best version of me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Regina, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with the listeners because my dear, you are a true inspiration (laughs) of what, what is possible. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Corinne. You're welcome, Regina. All right. I'm so appreciative of her of being just 
authentic and open and honest and transparent about her journey. And I hope that you understand that this wasn't about weight loss. It was that was an arena where she showed up and then had to do her deep personal work where she really got insight about what is her opinion of herself? Who is she? If she's not numbing with food, that was her numbing device. Some of my clients, it's alcohol. Some of them, it's working really hard. Some of them, it can be on money. We all have avenues to numb and hers used to be food. But when she took away that and when she started to remove the armor, who was that person inside? And that's what she's been able to work on these past seven years. And I give you this story because one of the things that's so important is that we can be so hard on ourselves thinking that transformation needs to happen in three weeks or in a weekend or by reading this book. And what happens is that transformation happens over time. And this was her journey, her story. And there's so many different ways. It can be listening to podcasts. It can be reading books. It can be walking through it with a group of friends who will be honest and open with you. However you choose to do it, it can be working with a coach. It can be a my enough group coaching program. However you choose to do it, remember small hinges can move big doors even to the point where this week she's been asking for what she wants as she goes into surgery. But remember two years ago, she was asking for simple things of, I want heavy whipping cream. And I know that this may be something that you're really opposed to, but I want it and it's working for me. That took a lot of courage back in the day when she asked that. And there was coaching sessions around that and her own beliefs about what she could do, ask for and what she couldn't ask for and about taking on other people's energy of what will they think? What are they going to decide? What are they going to think about me? Because I asked for this. And I know that these stories that she shared with you, you can resonate. There's so many important pivotal moments. Just one is the idea of self-care, amping up self-care when you have an adult child who is ill. Most of us think we need to sacrifice ourselves so that we can take care. And really how she was able to help him was first going in and helping herself and then she could fully be there for him. The other takeaway that I really invite you to remember on your own personal development journey is we're going to have tantrums. We're going to have resistance. It doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong, that sometimes we have this resistance and we can then choose to shut it down or we can look at that and go, okay, this is my teacher here. I'm going to move through it. And even though she had those tantrums of, you know, not wanting to give up alcohol or whatever it was, the challenge that I provided where she wasn't very happy with, she had developed enough trust in our relationship and in our process where she said, okay, I'm going to do this. This is totally uncomfortable. And then when she got on the other side of it, her mind was so blown by what she experienced and what she learned about herself. And that's really what it is. She talked about way of eating. And really the work that we do is about you creating a way of living where the best version of yourself can show up. And that my friend is a fantastic way to live. Now it's your turn. Discover how to create a way of living where the best version of yourself can show up go to the link in the show notes and sign up to get stories and small lessons for you to practice allowing your best version of yourself to show up in your life. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming.
is drifting, never been so 